Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and Intentional Ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. Hi everyone, we've got a handful of headlines for today's Pelicanus News. I've categorized them into drawdown, protected areas, and rewilding. These stories are truly incredible and also remind us to me that conservation can actually work. Alright, in the first category of drawdown, uh, this first one's coming out of MaritimeExecutive.com. The world's largest solar farm costing $2 billion to be built in Indonesia. Plans were unveiled for the world's largest floating solar power and energy storage system. At a cost estimated at $2 billion, the system will be developed by Singapore's Sunsiap Group in cooperation with BP Batam operators of a free trade zone in Indonesia and installed at Batam Island. Under an MOU between the two organizations, Sunsiap will develop the floating voltaic system FPV and the energy storage system, uh, ESS. The FPV is projected to have a capacity of 2.2 gigawatts and span around, I'm sorry, yeah, 2.2 gigawatts and span around 1,600 hectares, making it the largest FPV in the world to date. The ESS is also slated to be the largest ESS with a storage capacity of larger than 4,000 megawatts per hour. Construction is slated to begin in 2022, with a plan to be completed in 2024. Sunsiap expects the solar farm to generate more than 2,600 gigawatts per hour of electricity per year, potentially offsetting more than 1.8 million metric tons of carbon per year. According to the company, this is equivalent to taking more than 400,000 cars off the road each year. And relatedly, from interestingengineering.com, new solar cell innovation provides a thousand times more power. Now this article was very long and very technical, but I'm trying to pull out the uh, more relevant stuff here. So, the energy generation of ferroelectric crystals in solar cells can be increased by a factor of a thousand thanks to a new innovation involving the arrangement of thin layers of the materials, according to a statement from Martin Luther University, uh, Hal Wittenberg, MLU. Researchers from MLU found that with alternately placed crystalline layers of barium titanate, strontium titanate, and calcium titanate, they could greatly increase the efficiency of solar panels. Their findings are published in the journal Science Advances. Most solar cells are made out of silicon due to its low cost and relative efficiency. However, 
Limits to the material's overall efficiency have led to researchers experimenting with these new materials, including the ferroelectric crystals. Last one in this category, bear to pull glyphosate from U.S. lawn and garden markets. This one's coming from agweb.com. Bayer officials announced the company is removing glyphosate from the U.S. residential lawn and garden marketplace, effective as early as January 2023. More than 90% of the Roundup litigation claims Bayer has faced in recent years have come from the U.S. residential lawn and garden market business segment and is what led to the company deciding to abandon it, according to Werner Baumann, CEO of Bayer AG. The, current, the company currently has about 30,000 unresolved cancer claims that it is working to address through a five-point plan developed earlier this year. Bauman said farmers and retailers, who he described as professional and agricultural users, will continue to have access to glyphosate from Bayer for weed control. Next category is protected areas, and this one is coming from Washington Post. The Biden administration proposes sweeping protections for Alaska's Tongass Forest. The Biden administration announced sweeping protections for Alaska's Tongass National Forest, including an end to large-scale old-growth logging and a proposal to bar road development on more than 9 million acres. The changes mark a major shift for a region that has relied on felling massive trees for more than a century, reversing one of the former U.S. president's biggest public land decisions and halting a significant source of future carbon emissions. emissions. The Tongass, part of one of the world's last relatively intact temperate rainforests, is the only national forest where old growth logging still takes place on an industrial scale. The 16.7 million acre forest, which once boasted major pulp mills, but is now targeted for its fine-grained centuries-old trees that are coveted for pricey musical instrument, instruments, expansive outdoor decks, and elegant shingles, has been a political flashpoint for two decades. While Democrats have sought to scale back logging in the forest over time, the administration's moves go further than any previous president's efforts. Last category here, rewilding. This one's coming from ashlandsource.com, and I love this story. Um, four endangered piping plover chicks hatched in Ohio for first time in 80 years. The latest good news from the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative is that Nellie and Nish a piping plover pair have mated and nested on Maumee Bay State Park in the Maumee area of concern near Toledo. Four chicks hatched earlier in July after their eggs were watched round the clock by nearly a hundred volunteers from dawn to dusk every day. Nellie and Nish are the first piping plover pair to nest in Ohio in over 80 years. The piping plover was listed as an endangered species in 1986 because of its threatened extinction in the Great Lakes. Since the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative began, sustained funding has been made available to accelerate the restoration of the Great Lakes piping plover, including the monitoring work protecting Nellie Nish and their four eggs. As a result, the species has seen a continued upward trajectory in the number of breeding pairs present in the Great Lakes. Nellie and Nish, Nish were hatched last year and traveled a great distance to find each other in Toledo. 
Nish was born to Monty and Rose last year at Montrose Beach in Chicago. Nellie was born last year at the delisted Presque Isle AOC in Pennsylvania. All right, and then on the much larger scale, the IUCN releases a new green status of species that will measure the recovery of threatened plants and animals. The IU, this is coming from the IUCN.org. A paper published in the journal Conservation Biology for the first time applies the IUCN green status of species, a new global standard to measure how close a species is to being fully ecologically functional across its range and how much it has recovered thanks to conservation action. In the paper, preliminary IUCN green status assessments for 101, 181 species are presented. They range from the pink pigeon, which was saved from extinction by conservation measures, to the gray wolf, a species on a promising path to recovery of ecological functionality across vast areas of its past distribution, though it is currently far from its historical baseline. More than 200 authors representing 171 institutions contributed to the paper. Preventing the extinction of species is the ultimate goal that conservationists have traditionally pursued, but we have come to understand that true success would be to revert the decline to the point where animals, fungi, and plants fulfilled their ecological functions throughout their range, resulting in species that are not just surviving, but thriving, said Dr. John Paul Rodriguez, chair of the IUCN Species Survival Commission and recent interviewee for Pelicanus' Possibilists series with the Smithsonian Earth Optimism. As the world's first standardized method for assessing species potential for and progress toward such a recovery, the IUCN green status will help inform conservation plans and steer action to meet national and international goals for 2030 and beyond. It also provides a metric for quantifying and celebrating conservation success. The IUCN green status of species will be integrated into the IUCN red list of threatened species, which will then provide a fuller picture of species conservation status, including both their extinction risk and recovery progress. Well, I hope these stories bring some optimism and lightness to your month, and I look forward to sharing more in the future.